0: podcast um i am here this week with three of my very long time closest friends um it's been funny i've been trying to get i have five women that are really kind of what i call my ride or die friends and but we all live all over the country in three different time zones four different time zones i can't even keep track anymore Um, And so trying to get us all together has been quite the um, ordeal. So I've got three of the five today. Shout out to Tanya and Julie. We love you. Maybe another time. But thank you so much today for Amy, Kristen, and Stephanie being with me. Um, These people have been with me for various times in my life, but all of them for a very long time. Kristen and I bonded on ready day recess in fourth grade when I knew all the words to tomorrow from Annie. And I wrote them on the chalkboard so she could learn them with me. And we have been together ever since then for the last 42 plus years um, through, oh, gosh, relationships and for marrying paternity brothers and having daughters and on and on and on. And, and we are we are still together today. Um, Amy and I met we met early on, like probably I was the kid. I don't know how this works for I don't think this was as much the case with my kids as generation, but in my generation, you played sports when you were in elementary school, according to what year you were born. So I was an old person for my class. I was born in September. And so I always ended up playing sports early on until I got into like school sports in junior high and high school with people that were a grade or two ahead of me that were maybe a little younger for their grade. So instead of playing sports with Kristen and Julie, I ended up playing a lot of sports early on with people in Amy's class Um, because Amy was in May. I was in September. So we first met on a soccer field early on. So met initially then, knew each other, but I I was the younger one. She had friends that were in her grade on her team. It was fine. We got along. But when we really connected was when I was a freshman and she was a junior and I was on the cross-country team with her and I was this new freshman had, had 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 some good success in junior high and this is when I knew the kind of character Amy was most of the time when you're the quotes hot shot freshman coming in sometimes upperclassmen want to make sure you you are put in your place just ask Pam Hermon Julie Anderson right Kristen <laughs> so, but Amy was not that person. Amy was welcoming. Amy was kind. Amy wasn't threatened. Amy was like, come train with me, come run with me. And everybody else was like, she's so nice to you. I'm like, I know. It's not scary at all. <laughs> and but that really told me early on, she's the kind of person that I wanted to be with. She just had that character, that integrity right away, and, and became one of my very closest friends. I spent a lot of time with her and her family. Kristen and Amy's families know each other very well. Parents were friends. And um, we all kind of ended up being in that same circle. We were, we were the, for lack of a better term, the good kids in high school. You know, we wanted to have fun. We went out to, to the games, to the dances, but we didn't drink. We didn't, you know, we didn't, we were. I grew up in a Mormon home, they grew up in Christian homes. And so we kind of found our people <laughs> because we went to a high school where, you know, there was a lot of partying. So we kind of found our people with each other, but I think Amy and I found that kind of we could we did the stupidest, most silly things together that we wouldn't have dreamed of doing with anybody else. But we do them with each other and probably didn't tell many people we did them because they were so ridiculous. <laughs> but we had so <laughs> we had so much fun doing them. But <laughs> So, yeah. So she, and she came into my life at a very really unique time. And my family was kind of all over the place and she did sports with me, I think. God bless Kristen and Julie. They ran track probably only because it's the only sport we did together <laughs> because they were volleyball and basketball players. So they were all playing volleyball and basketball. I was in, I bonded with Amy and, um, and we did track and cross country together. So that's kind of how we all came together. And um, and then Steph and I met at Washington State University. Thank you, Kristen. Kristen got me to Washington State University and that's its own story but basically talked me into bringing another friend over for a visit and then be like, Hmm, it'd be nice if you came here too. And so long, that's a very short version of that story. But then, um, I was managing the volleyball team that Kristen was playing on, um, which paid for my books and tuition, which Kristen also got me, Kristen got me to Washington state. Kristen got me my books and tuition. Kristen introduced me to my husband. Um, so yeah, there you go. And through that, Stephanie was the athletic trainer and um, for the team. And so we spent a lot of time together in the gym and I was going through a very bumpy time. Brady, who you've all met a couple of times in the podcast, and I had just broke up in that nine month period that you've heard me tell this story about that we were broke up there and I was a hot freaking mess. I was either. Hanging out with Steph, telling her my life story or sitting on Kristen's bedroom floor crying in a pile. So between the two of them, they sustained me and and it really helped me get to the other side of that very difficult spell. Amy at the time was she was a couple of years older, so she was teaching in the Tri-Cities at the time. And I could get out of Pullman and go to the Tri-Cities and feel like a real person and see what growing up life was look at, it looked like and made me feel a little better, except for the time that I drove with my top down through a death storm <laughs> because I didn't know that those happened in Eastern Washington. <laughs> and so, yeah, I was in my little convertible Suzuki Samurai. I left Pullman when it was like 95 degrees. It was hot. It was like early summer. There was no football game that weekend. I was like, oh, I'm going to go visit Amy. So I tool off. I take off. I get about 70 miles out on Nowersville, Eastern Washington. People that don't know, just picture the middle of South Dakota somewhere, and that's kind of what you're what you're going to be like out there in the middle of Nowersville. And there's this this dust storm, which happens a lot of time after harvest because there's wind, there's dust, there's no water to keep it down. Whatever, it's terrifying actually. Um, but I was out there on my own. This is before cell phones. So I'm just trudging through, I've got my sunglasses on and I'm just trying, I'm going like five to 10 miles an hour. Cause you can't see the hand in front of you for like probably an hour and a half to two hour period. But I came out of it probably just North of tri-cities, maybe 20 miles north of tri-cities. I knew I was covered in dirt, but I really didn't fully understand. <laughs> you was still laughing because you can probably still say it. So I'm, I haven't been to this apartment she's been at before. She's just moved to Tri-City. She's got a new teaching job there. I'm going to meet her at this designated space that we both knew where they were. And then I was going to follow her from there to the apartment. So I pull into this this spot. It was just this like mini mart or something To And I pull up and people are looking at me like really looking at me. Like, and she pulls up and she's like, I think she couldn't even speak.
1: What did I look like? Uh, you're bringing back memories. I have must have, I don't know. I, I don't even remember this until now you bring it up. That's oh, thank hilarious. God.
0: Yeah. I was I, a sight. And luckily my little car was, an, you know, you could wash it indoor, outdoor wash it. So we literally ran the whole thing through the car. <laughs> And I like had to go, oh my gosh. So yeah. So that was that spell in my life. So it was a mess physically and emotionally at the time. Whether it was a death storm or crying in a pile. So these to say all this, these people have been through with me through all those things and now to our lives in our in our early 50s. Yeah, because Steph's joined us. Steph is a year younger than me. So we are all <laughs> we've all officially landed in our early 50s. Okay. Yes. So on that note. So I'm going to start with character traits. Amy, as character traits that she's come up with herself, are friendly introvert. Oh, yeah, that's a really good way to describe you. Jesus follower, easygoing slash calm, encouraging, peacemaker and loyal. Kristen is honest, loyal, authentic, creative, encourager slash inspirer, good sense of humor. Stephanie is thoughtful, loving, nurturer, giving, and God-centered. And what I love about all of these is like, yes, yes, and yes. These three have a great handle on who they are. One more thing about Stephanie that I want to throw in is when I came into her life, She not only brought me into her life, she brought me into her entire family's life. Um, I was in a really bumpy time with my family and um, had about a 10 year period where I had no contact with them, actually. Shortly after that, and her mom and dad just they just became my family. Um, She took me home. They took me in like kind of the lost, kind of sad little puppy that I was. And 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 became my family so much so that my youngest, Courtney, literally just left Grandma Annie's house like two hours ago from being there for a weekend. So you know, my kids consider her parents their grandparents. They're very close with them. They love them very much. My middle daughter has uh, is has Ann as her middle name. I mean, so she not only took me into her heart, her family took us all in. To theirs, and you've gotten to hear from a couple of the Van Stone women. Well, Steph's mom Annie was a Van Stone, so I know all those women because I know Steph. So, to give you some more context there, that I wanted to shed on that. Okay, so for more information on these three favorite people of mine, see the show notes. I'm going to be writing a blog about this episode that'll be on the website EmbracingLayers.com. Um, you also want to look at the sources; they're all going to cite the sources that they love to follow that we cite today in the episode in that sources doc that'll also be um, on embracinglayers.com. It'll also be featured on our Instagram page at embracing layers. So you want to want to check all those things out um, for more information on all these women. Okay. So ladies, we're going to kind of just do this popcorn style today. Um, and if you both are all trying to speak once, then I will, I will say who to go first, but otherwise we're going to just do this based on what you want to share and share what you want. Don't feel like you've got to share more or less. If this is an area like, it's not really my wheelhouse. That's fine. Okay. So we're going to start with confidently setting boundaries. And what I mean by that, and you all know this, I have emotionally, Threw up all over all of you. M- much of my life, like I didn't really have a sense of boundaries and what it meant to even ask. You know, I've got some really heavy stuff going on today. Do you have the emotional bandwidth to help me work through this or not? No, I, I just called and 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 it hasn't really been till the last year, year and a half that I that I've really learned that and learned that language. Um, so we know that about me and I've talked a lot about that. Talk about your own journeys in boundaries with yourself in relationships, um, and how that's looked for you. If it's still something that you're figuring out or if it's something that you feel like you've got a pretty good grasp on.
2: Well, I'll just, I think I, I've been through what Melissa has been through in some ways when I had a lot of health issues about six, seven years ago now. And, um, when that happened, it kind of really brought my life to a halt, And I couldn't do anything because um, I didn't know if I'd be able to show up because uh, physically I um, ended up getting diagnosed with Hashimoto's. But um, it's autoimmune. It's just, you know, it's just not being healthy, period. And so at that time in trying to figure that out um, and then realizing that I had something that I really had to deal with, uh, whether I liked it or not, boundaries kind of got set on me. And um, I guess it was a time to realize, I don't know how much you do. And then as, and then as you can do nothing, you can only add certain things back. Mm -hmm. So I think that I didn't have to have the discipline to start doing those boundaries. It got chosen for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think you reflect that way. And then, um, you, I, I, I had a, I had a sense of, um, appreciation I think for what I did do at one time what I was able to juggle Um, but at the same rate I knew that to be healthy I had to build up slowly and decide what I could do and having um, at the time teenage girls middle school and Sophie started high school at the time um, wanting to really be there for them so that was the number one thing so all of my boundaries had to be created around being able to be there for my family with what energy I had as I was getting healthier and stronger. So it was sort of a a different way. A lot of people have to start and, you know, chop it off and stop. And I was from, I had to start from the ground up again. And I'm actually in six years, I'm still, still kind of, you know, making those choices and figuring those things out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we talked a lot about that. And and we'll talk more about The emotional self care and stuff in a minute because there's conversations that you and I have had even around the boundaries and you mentioned earlier them being imposed on you versus feeling freedom and we'll 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 talk about that more um, in a moment here. Steph, I know you and yeah you you and I have talked about this a lot, especially within the family context because. Stephanie, no surprise to you, based on what you've heard about her already, is the beloved in her family, as she would be. It's very authentically who she is, but that has come with some places where she's had to really set some boundaries because there. With that comes a lot of responsibility that people try to impose on her. I will say that it's not responsibility she wants to have, but it, people try to have that
3: for her. Yes. Well, I, I will say um, initially as I became a stay-at-home mom, which was not in my thought, my plan as a college person going, you know, career oriented as an athletic trainer, you know, I was very career minded, although still family centered and very, that was very important to me. But as I became a stay-at-home mom, and then I had this time and then I felt like I had to fill that time Mm -hmm. and then I filled it too full. And then, um, Realized over time when you got involved at church and you were all of a sudden on the board of this and the board of that and the PT, you know, involved in the PTA and then all of a sudden I was doing all, I mean, like uh, things at school, things at church, things with our family. And then I, I don't know that I would have equated it at the time as anxiety, but, but definitely like, it definitely was. Um, I can put that and I can still tell today, like if I start to get too busy, that that's what that does. It's like, oh, wait a second. I'm feeling anxious about getting, accomplishing the tasks that are important to me. Uh, I think Melissa, I think you were referring to um, like uh, David's family, particularly. Yeah.
0: And that's who you live closest to also. So I think sometimes geographically that just works its way in.
3: Yeah, so David's parents have um, come and stayed in um, their 40 foot motor coach in the summers um, for multiple weeks. And when it started, they would come every, for like two weeks at a time and then they would leave and then they would come back and then they would leave. Um, but they have a house in Florida. Well, in recent years, that has become, they're pretty much here for three months out of the summer. And so Um, and the older they get, the more dependent they are on me. Um, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the connector, I think is how I would put it. Um, between I'm, I'm always coordinating things between our families and, um, I didn't realize till how, what a drain that is on me. And that's something I love, but also something that is challenging to me. So, um, I, yeah. So I think figuring out some of those boundaries though are a little bit hard to control if they're parked in my driveway.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so you and I have talked a lot about that. It's like, okay, so what does that look like? How do you create space within that? I mean, we, we love them. We don't want to tell them not to come. And this time yeah. the boys are very close with them. But how do how do I find my own space? be yep. it, within that and so that I can still enjoy it. Because I would say that sometimes our, you know, our greatest strengths can also be our greatest burdens. If we don't find that place to fill up our own tanks. And I would I would say that that's, that's probably been the big challenge. And also, too, that a lot of people come to you as the yeah. organizer, as the one that is that everybody kind of gets along with. Sometimes it's the peacemaker or peacekeeper when there's a challenge. And so we've talked through conversations <laughs> of how you set yeah. borders within that. What is your responsibility versus like, OK, I'm willing to kind of help you get this conversation started, but you all have to do the work. I cannot fix this for you. And you've literally had had to, to kind of create the space for that. Amy, you've run into that in your family too. I mean, you're the oldest and you have dealt with a lot of transition in your family the last few years in a very sudden and heartbreaking loss of your mom that none of us were ready for and at the same time tony like not even 2 seconds later tony loses his mom i mean amy and tony had a 6 month span of thinking their moms would be there for years to come to having no moms with them and having these dads who really didn't know what to do with themselves in this very <laughs> sudden sudden happening and have and trying to also navigate sibling relationships that are different with her dad than her own and her and I, i'm like that's not your responsibility. <laughs> That's your sibling's responsibility. You cannot fix all that for them. Kristen and I've had this. I mean, we've all we've all deal with our siblings in different ways and having to navigate what's ours and what's not ours. Um, Amy, Stephanie and I are oldest. Kristen's a second daughter. But I would say you're an oldest in a lot of ways um, because just of the family dynamics, um, you act as an oldest I mean my husband my husband's the youngest he acts an old so you kind of been you know so we've all had to like so Amy talk to me about that because you've not only you had to deal with your own grief but you were also trying to help all these other people with theirs and and how did you create space you've had your own anxiety stuff that you've had to deal with so talk to me about that
1: yeah yeah that was um it's funny today and I just when I was in church written in in my notebook, I I wrote the date down and it's like today is six years since my mom passed away. Mm. And I was like, oh wow. I didn't even, you know, think about it, you know, until I saw that date again. I wasn't, you know, thinking about the date. But yeah. But yeah, it was it was really interesting. I mean, you know, with my mom's, you know, quick illness and then with my mother-in-law passing away six weeks later, um, yeah, that was tough because they were both really the rocks, you know, in our family. And um, you know, the boundaries that, you know, Tony's an only child, so he had to deal with all that, you know, himself. Um, and I mean, and it was a blessing in disguise because going through it together, mm-hmm. um, was awful, but it was really good too. I mean, it, for our relationship in a lot of ways, cause we understood each other. Yeah. And so that was a, a big deal. Um, and so, yeah, it was hard. I never, you know, I, I thought a lot about that conversation you and I had about just trying to figure out, you know. My siblings and their relationship with dad, and my relationship with dad, and I'm the one that you know tends to reach out more. But we've had some good conversations since then, and I'm I'm learning a lot about just um, letting go. And mm. I, I kind of call myself a recovering um, people pleaser slash people fixer, mm-hmm. and I'm really working on not doing that and mm-hmm. remembering that there are certain things that just don't really need to involve me, and it's not my problem. And I just need to focus on what I need to focus on. And yeah. so I never really had a lot of issues with my family and even in Tony's family about boundaries. I mean, that was, I'm really thankful for, um, yeah. nobody's really, you know, it's been issues. And even with my dad, you know, going through what he did and, and my father-in-law, you know, they really, it was a struggle, but it also was, um, it wasn't really pushing the boundaries. I think for me, um, my boundaries really have been a lot myself. Yeah. Um. I have been really, really hard on myself in certain areas of my life, and Your struggled a lot. Life. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I struggled a lot with, um, you know, my self worth, and and a lot of that came out in what I did. And then the biggest thing in my adult life has been my job, and um, and I had to learn to give myself grace, and that took, you know, till about the thirtieth year of teaching, <laughs> and I learned along the way but it was a struggle because I, um, was just so hard on myself and I had to learn what that good enough is good enough. And I, I share that with my kids, especially my son, who's an overthinker Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, being in college and he's trying to, you know, navigate his way through. Um, but he, but I have learned had to learn that myself too. And, and I had this last year of, and I didn't know it was my last year of teaching, but I had this last year of teaching um and I was teaching this class that I really did not feel um like about, that I had the ability to really do a good job with it and I was like why am I teaching this class why do I have to do this you know and it was really interesting because I really feel and I can totally see it God had a plan because he put me in that position and he gave me as a senior class And it was sixth period, last period of the day of the seniors. And I'm like, oh my Lord, what am I, what am I doing? And he gave me one of the best classes and I loved those kids and I learned grace for myself Mm -hmm. and I learned that good enough was good enough. And I think that that was what God is really trying to teach me was good enough is good enough. You need to have boundaries. You do not need to keep pushing yourself and pushing yourself to be the, whatever the best at, at what you're doing. Um, and it's okay. And you know what? It was okay. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, like three days before school started, I got the librarian position and, you know, so it was just like, God just like needed me to realize that those boundaries, um, uh, are, are important, uh, to yourself, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so that, that's probably my biggest area of boundaries. And, and in the last year too, I think there's been a little bit with boundaries as far as, Um, with all the craziness going on and I'm learning with, um, certain people in my life, I've had to sort of step away, um, Uh, because it was a lot of negativity and just talk about the same things over and over again. And so that's been a good thing for me to realize that I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to listen to this. I can uh, kind of step away and, and not have to, to, to deal with that. So
0: and I think we've all four had to deal with that in our own ways. So I think that's just you know the kind con- and just learning the importance of that. And you know I've learned to say I, I'm going to love you from afar. I love you, but you know mm-hmm. beating this same dead horse in this way that you're going about it is is not serving each and feeling in either of us well. And and that's okay. And we're just you know stepping away. So I th- so thank you for bringing that because I think that's very very contextual to what we're dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how to prioritize self-care in your life and what it looks like for you, because I w- you are all, all of us, all four of us are human givers. It's it's what we do. It's in our DNA. It's probably why we're drawn to each other. We are very inherently human givers. Um, human givers become martyrs and bitter and frustrated and irritated when they don't take the time to fill themselves up to free their minds, to put time in ourselves. We've believed the false narrative for many years. I think that, you know, filling that ourselves up is selfish. We have to keep giving. And 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 I think we're we've all learned in our own various ways, sometimes the hard way, that if we that that's actually not true. That if we actually take the time to care for ourselves and feel back up, it's then that we can be our best version of ourselves for ourselves and for our people and what we were created to be. So, talk about that. Any one of you jump in. You all have stories about this.
3: Well, I think that um for me, um you know, exercise is uh, is a priority. Um, spending time um, doing my daily devotions. Um, that's really important. Um, i I didn't I don't know that I realized this until the lab, maybe but spending time with my friends is, is a priority for me. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't, and I think there are times when I felt bad for that, like going to coffee with somebody or whatever, and that I was taking time away from doing something productive at home or whatever. But, but um, I listened to Megan Bandstone's um, podcast. And um, I thought and she said that, you know, spending time with her friends was a priority for her. And I was like, yes, that is <laughs> that is true for me, too. Yeah. Um, so definitely those things, um, you know, and it's just not my friends, but, you know, my family, too. And spending time with David and um, my husband. And um, so, yeah, I think um, those those things, those three things are probably the biggest for me. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I think I've always felt that, um, I think a lot of us watch maybe our, our parents and our moms. And I think I saw my mom wear herself thin Mm -hmm. and not have time for relationships. You know, my mom and my dad didn't even have time for their relationship because he was working Overtime at his job. And then he had a business he was running on the side and mom was taking all the extra trips she could take. Um, when she was a school bus driver, they ran themselves ragged. I mean, after retirement, my mom looks back at her journals. She's like, I read the journal and she's like, I just don't know how we did. I, I don't know how we survived. I just don't know how it happened. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. And I think that, um, I did see that. And I, and from a, uh, I mean, Early on in our marriage, I think we really focused on on spending time together. When we had kids, we knew dating was really important, even, even though we had kids. So date night was super important. So I think that I have carved those things out um, time with friends for me personally, like around here is very important. Um, but then also there's the physical part, you know, which when with my health issues, I had to realize that sleep for me is very important. And that feels very selfish because what it ended up meaning, I got to a point where I realized I can't get up with my kids and see them off to school. Mm-hmm. Because the doing that makes me have no energy in the afternoon because they, they were getting up so early, really early, but I wanted to see them off. But it was when um, one thing about uh, COVID is we had to sleep. Right. I was a new person. I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, I don't have to nap every afternoon. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, that's a big deal. So that became a thing. I'm like, I'm going to be a better mom in the afternoon um, if I can get the sleep. So off you go, you're a big girl. <laughs> 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 and, you know, it was, but selfishly it's like, it's my last kid. I want to see her or whatever. But um, anyway, sleep was super important um, for me. I had to realize, you know, since I was a, an athlete, um, I realized when I was a stay-at-home mom and I wasn't working and I wasn't an athlete, um, I was missing competition mm-hmm. and I started playing tennis on a tennis team where we competed and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is me again. I feel me. And so that became something that I have to do. That's a big self-care thing is doing that. Um, cause not only is that like the physical part, so you get exercise and it's that emotional part for me competing is part of who I am. And then there was also the social I'm very fortunate. I've been with uh, the same group of women for almost 10 years on and off um, that we, that we play to ten- We're not just a tennis team that we play together. They're the people there that, you know, when my dad passed away, they sent this amazing arrangement and they take care of you. And, you know, we do that for each other. And, and there's women who have gone before me with the empty nest and they're, they can help me along and tell me it's going to be okay. And, you know, so we, um, we take care of each other that way. And that's been very important. And I, so I've prioritized that in my life, no matter what, going on because it's, it tackles so many things, Mm -hmm. you know, for me. So, um, those are some of the kind of the, I highlight things. There's lots and lots of other things I could talk for many <laughs> talk yeah. a lot. Cause about, you know, six or seven years, I've learned a lot about the self-care things that are important, but, um, and I've been very fortunate because Tim's been very supportive of that, which I know sometimes women don't have that. So yeah. he's very supportive of what I've needed to do to get healthy. Yeah. Um, and so it's taken that pressure off because a lot of people, their family, husband, kids, they don't want to give them that space. And I've been very fortunate that my family has been very yeah, sort of. Absolutely.
1: I, I definitely have a really supportive husband too. He's the one that will more, I mean, I'm trying to do more, but he's the one that will be like, okay, we're going to take a trip. You know, he always has to have something to look forward to always. So we've got, you know, we go, we travel a lot or, um, you know, just let's go out, let's, let's go out to dinner. Let's, you know, whatever. And he's, he's always been very good about that. Um, the one thing I think that was a hard thing for him was, because I am, you know, an introvert and so need the alone time. And he has always been extrovert, though he's become, I think, a little bit more of an introvert. So it's funny how you been married for so long and you become kind of more like <laughs> each other. So I become a little more extroverted. Um, but he um for a while is like, oh, like he doesn't want to stay around the house, he wants to go do things, you know. And I'm like, I love to part of my self-care is having a day on the weekend or something where I just get to putter around the house. And he's like, oh, you know, he's he's starting to do a little bit more, but um, he has a hard time with that, like just sitting and doing nothing. And as my son-in-law and I pointed it, "puttering with a purpose," you know, whatever <laughs> that purpose is. But yeah, my, <laughs> we were like, he, he helped me come up with that. And so it's 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 what I need. I need alone time. I need to be able to just to relax and stay at home if I want to. Exercise is a huge thing um, because I have chronic anxiety, um, and I learn to um, just keep gutting it out, you know, for so many years, mm-hmm. which is a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. Mm. Um, because now I, even, I don't have a, a stressful job really anymore. I still have the, um, the, uh, after effects of, you know, the having triggers. anxiety, yeah. um, and being anxious when, you know, I don't need, there's nothing going on. I don't need to feel anxious, but exercise is really my key to just like get that anxiety out and yeah. be able to function and not be grouchy. So. yeah
0: and work that through process that through your body, which segues nicely into taking care of our emotional health as much as our physical health. We have all I know this all about you, because we've all had these discussions But all four of us and Kristen's already talked about hers and Amy just talked about hers and Steph And I've had many conversations because I hit I hit some things, you know, being a year older a little before she did. I'd be all watch out. This is coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, but talk about um your how those two are connected because we've all had experiences with that um, about how if we don't process traumas and emotions um that maybe we we go through an experience and the experience is over and we move on to the next thing and we don't finish processing the emotions and trauma and just experience attached with it all of a sudden uh, in middle age our body starts screaming at us like oh no 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 And I, I've really had to go through this time and I'm really still going through it that I'm starting to see my body as my friend and my ally and being a helper to me rather than my body as a betrayer. Um, so talk to me about your experiences with that. And I was, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, start with Kristen. And the reason I'm going to say, start with Kristen is because when you were diagnosed and this, you, this lifestyle was forced upon you. You really struggled. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, so you can fix this when you where you need to. But there was that sense of freedom was lost, where these aren't my choices. These are choices I have to make because this is what my body's doing or saying.
2: Yeah. Um- Yeah, it was it was frustrating because it meant in order to get better, I had to do a lot of things nutritionally, which was very hard. So we had a very busy lifestyle. Kids were just starting to take off with all the travel volleyball and and everything and and trying to take care of myself when we were traveling like that was really difficult. Um, And I'm not the one area that I am not creative is cooking and, and all that. I just I don't think about food and I just, you know, I like to eat. I'm a foodie but I don't like to make the food. (laughs) And so when I had to really, um, take care of that aspect, um, it was very difficult for me. Um, I just couldn't get creative in that way. And so food became a real problem for me. And so I remember when I was, (laughs) this is so funny. Um, but when I was in a restaurant and I was just starting to get to add a couple things back and, um, I think it was, I could try a tomato or something. I'm just going to say tomatoes and I can't remember. So, so um, I ordered a side of them. (laughs) And I think um, Tim took one off the plate and I I was like, don't, I was like, it's the only thing I can eat and you're eating my tomatoes. And it was, Ridiculous! I had to excuse myself and go into the bathroom and call somebody who had been dealt with the same issues, and I had to have her talk me literally off the ledge and get me back into, you know, the restaurant and at the table and stop crying over tomatoes. I mean, the what it had done to my brain was so ridiculous. Um, fast forward, I had ended up getting a lot better, but I I was still trying to, to get to where I needed to be. And then we had a mold situation in our house. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden now I'm diagnosed with mold toxicity. And I felt like I was back to square one and I was mortified. I was able to find another doctor that, um, helped me deal with that. And she identified you have a problem with food and it's, I didn't feel like my body betrayed me, but I felt like food did. And I felt like food was not my friend and that I couldn't make it be my friend. And other people could create these amazing recipes with these healthy ingredients. And I'm like, that's just not me. And I can't eat and food's my enemy. And, And so she definitely recommended that I go see a counselor specifically for that. And she told me what kind of counseling to get. And, um, so it was good. It was like, no, you got to deal with this. And I knew it was there. I just didn't have the tools to deal with it. Um, so that was uh, a real help to me that, that she guided me in that way. And, um, that's only been a couple of years ago. So it's sort of like another, um, It's another stage of of me getting healthy. You know, we dealt with the hardcore, like the physical stuff, and so this emotional part, like you were saying, Melissa, that you felt like your body betrayed you, and you're you're feeling like it's more your friend. You know, I've got to get to the. I'm I'm much better with my relationship with food, and we're still. You know, I'm still working on it. I'm still not a great cook, but. Thank God, there's a lot more, uh, there's a lot more uh, accessibility to healthy foods than there was even six years ago when I started doing this. So um, yeah, that's, that's mine is, is um, I would say, but I can't tell everyone, oh yeah, you know, I did it and I'm here and I've I've arrived. Um, I'm working on it, but um, yeah. And I'm trying to not pass it to my kids, which I probably can't help doing that, but at least I'm honest about it. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm sorry if I screwed you up in that way. I'll pay for your counseling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you've had to release control of that though, because you you would have to get really frustrated. And, um, you know, we would talk a lot because Kylie, my middle one, had an autoimmune situation that she had dealt with since birth that she's actually now, because of a series of healthy dietary choices and therapy and relationship with her body, she doesn't show any autoimmune Um, in her testing anymore, but she had to do like junior year of high school. She had, she just had to do all these things that were just absolutely miserable. And she was just pissed off about, and just didn't want to do any of them. And so Kristen was dealing with that with one of her daughters at the time. And I'm like, listen, you just got to like, kind of pull back because the more you are on them, the more they, they resist it. And you got to release that. Cause I think you and I both dealt with a lot of guilt about what we could or couldn't do For our kids, I'm like, all we can do is the best we can. And we are learning how to do these things and navigate these things. And it wasn't modeled to us. I mean, the generation before that wasn't okay. It was very much, I think, and one of you said, maybe Amy said earlier, pull up the bootstraps, kind of here we go generation. And we, you know, our bodies, and I think part of our belief system is just like, no, we're gonna stop that narrative, but also releasing the control and releasing that our kids have to kind of learn that narrative on their own. We can't do it for them as much as our intentions are to try to spare them. Sometimes you just, you got to learn on your own and, and release that and set that
2: boundary. And, and
0: put that I feel down. like you're
2: modeling that, you know, by doing it yourself, that's exactly. like, I, I got to take care of, of what I got to take care of. And hopefully you're inspiring them by taking care of it. Absolutely. You know, just like I said, you know, I saw my mom work so hard and in retrospect, yeah. I just, I hate that she didn't have time herself for more relationships and time for that, you know? Um, yeah. So I guess if, I see that from the, the, there. I don't think, I don't think she saw it. She was just working her, you know, her tail off trying to yeah, make, you know, make things work for the family. But I think we can look at our, parents and maybe how they did things and realize that it's not our words as much as, is what we do. And so it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm very honest. I'm like, you know, girls, I'm sorry if I haven't been the best example of, you know, of the food relationship thing, but let's just say what it is. And that's what it is. And, um, you know, I'm working on it and, uh, you know, I, am just open with, and I think when it's out in the open, then, then, um, I don't feel like I'm, you know, sending negative messages because it's, we're talking about it. You know, and hopefully they have more tools to deal with it and they don't get to where it was.
0: Well, and I think too, all four of us in our own ways, because we were athletes, because we were very active, we all had pretty high metabolisms in the day. And we've all had series and years and times where we could eat wherever the freak we wanted to. Now, Kristen leads the league and being able to eat whatever the freak she wants to. And Amy's not in her head. <laughs> you
2: guys are going to laugh because Vivian um, at her volleyball match this week had to eat Chick-fil-A tenders in set two. And the girls were dying. They're like, she's eating Chick-fil-A in the middle of the match. And I was <laughs> like, Subway sandwich long right here <laughs> at the end of the bench. <laughs>
3: I do remember
2: <laughs> yes. oh my gosh. you two had to make sure they were there for me. You were my, you were my suppliers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my, oh gosh. my
0: gosh. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's something, but that we all kind of, so all of a sudden when you've got to change, cause for me, I deal with acid reflux, all of a sudden I've got to change all these things. And some of the things I love the most are my biggest triggers and, you know, and, but also recognizing that it wasn't just physical. It was in that, you know, for a lot of years I was treating my stuff as just physical and it wasn't until the last two years that I re- tapped into the actual, it's, this is actually emotional and unprocessed trauma that and it's tra- it's triggering these things. So, um, so Amy, you talked about your, ang- talk about that and how you kind of walk that route with anxiety because Amy's not a person you would look at and think, oh, she's got anxiety. She's very, she's very, ch- she's very chill, like you know, on the surface and very calm and very composed, um, very, you know, also very competitive. So talk about that because that, that's not saying, I want to dispel the myth that, you know, people could probably look at me and say, "Mm," I mean, Brady's like, you are a chronic worrier slash anxiety. I'm like, why not? There's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot for me to be concerned about. You know, I, I wore it on my sleeve, Amy, not And step two. So you're next, but Amy, talk about that. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm good at
1: hiding it. I was very good at keeping it, you know. And I think back, you know, when we were all growing up, it wasn't obviously something that was talked about. I don't think they even realized that I had anxiety. Yeah. Me. you know, until much later. Um, and I'm so thankful just because my own kids have struggled with it as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it, it's been good to be able to um, share that, share my struggles with them and help kind of talk them through it. Um, and cause it's something that my husband does not get because he's never, he's never gone through that before, but he, um, but, but they, they know that mom has, and I've tried to be as open as I can, like, Hey, you know, this is things, things I wish I would have known, or I wish you would have done differently. Um, and these are some things that have helped me. And so, um, I'm really, I'm thankful for that. Cause I always think God put you through things where, um, they suck at the time, but man, if you're open to it, you can help a lot of other people and um, go that are going through it later on. So um, I'm thankful for that part of it. And I've been able to help other people as well, but yeah, it's been hard because I did stuff. Um, Yeah. Most people would not know Um, on the outside. I'm a pretty chill person. And I think for the most part, I am, there are certain things that triggered me and triggered my anxiety. And a lot of that was just back in the day was really lack of self-worth lack of like, just not really liking myself. And so I put a lot of pressure on myself to perform because then, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be a, a, okay. I'll be a good person. And it didn't come from my family. It didn't, it was just me. And, you know, I can't blame it on anybody else except for myself. Yeah. Um, and so, um, that's been definitely a long process, but my body, um, my, my massage therapist, a couple of years ago, she's like, uh, your body is, more tense and in worse shape than some of my whiplash victims and accidents. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's stress, it's anxiety. That's right. That's where I store it is in my body. And so, and I've noticed that over the last probably five, six years, Mm -hmm. as you get older, of course, you're going to have aches and pains, but a lot of that is the stress, the anxiety um, that, um, you know, really careful. I get really sore easily and I have to, you know, learn to stretch and I have to exercise and I have to, you know, take better care of myself. Um, and I also really try with the emotional piece to allow myself to not, to not put myself down for emotions that I have. I'm not a real emotional person, but I allow myself to, okay, I feel anxious or I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling whatever, allow myself to have it and be there in that emotion. But then don't stay there if that's an unhealthy place. And that's advice I try to give to other people too. You know, it's it's okay to feel that it's totally normal. Don't beat yourself up for feeling something um, because I think that just triggers your anxiety more because you feel like, oh my gosh, I can't feel this way. So, yes. you know, and so it's learning to do that. It, it has been a good thing for me um, too. Um, and just, you know, like my big thing is learning to just give yourself grace, you know, and good enough is good enough. Um, and, you know, and the worrying you know, there are certain things that trigger me, like it triggers all of us. And, but I heard somewhere that, um, worrying is, um, it, it's, it's like a, a waste of energy because you're expanding, spending a lot of energy and you're getting nowhere. Yeah. And it's like a rocking chair. Yeah. That's kind of what worrying is. Yeah. And I really like that, you know, and I've shared some of that with other people in my, in my, and my son is like, I share some of that with Tim as he's dealing with some of this stuff and um, this overthinking and everything. And and he he shares that with his friends in college, like some of these like momisms he calls them. And he thinks I'm the one that's come up with these. <laughs> and he's
0: <just> like, <laughs> let him mom think is that. So wise. <laughs> I know. I'm like, yeah, I did. But that's like, a good thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. <laughs> Cole run with that. That's right. Go with it. Yeah. Well, and I would say to all and Steph, I want to get to you in a minute because you've got a lot to share on this, too. But all four of us are very, very competitive. We were all very successful starting early on as young people. We all got good grades. We all were very well behaved. We all were good, very good athletes. And so uh, with all of that came a lot of praise and adoration. Oh, you're so nice. Oh, you're so, you know, you're so smart. You're so fast. You're so talented. You're so this. And so within all that, most people didn't mean it, but that you all of a sudden you start building this identity around all those things. And, and then you get to a point in life where those things aren't a part of your life anymore. So you just move it into that next thing you're doing, which your job being a parent, both. And it's instead of just and, and at some point it hits you like, oh, geez, I've got a serious like identity, and, and because I we, I we we are in a culture that fosters that. And so I think it's really hard to not be that way. I don't know anybody. I know very few people that haven't had to at some point walk that out with themselves um, the good news I'm seeing is I think that our kids' generation are doing that a lot sooner. They're recognizing it sooner. Some of it is from seeing their parents like us, you know, walk it out much later and like, hold, hold on a minute. We are, we are not going to do that. But, I, but I think that's a lot of what happens, um, within that is just the way the culture is built, um, from that standpoint. And so, um, but thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Did you have a, a turning point in where it was just like, I got to get on this. This is, this is a thing. I think I've always had a turning point. Um, you know, as I've gone
1: through it, when I started realizing what it was, um, spent a lot of time just praying about, it. I think it was a, just a, a long process. And I think it was the one, one of the things that really kept me close to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I kind of, equated to whatever Paul's thorn in his flesh was. I don't, we don't know what that is, but I kind of equate I kind of equated it to like, okay, that's just gonna be what I'm gonna have to deal with. That's my thorn in my flesh and it's what keeps me close to the Lord. And so it's just been a really a long process and um trying to train my mind. And I think the last five, six years, it's it's gotten better. Mm -hmm. I mean it's definitely a lot better now. Um but I had a love hate relationship with teaching. I Loved it because I love I love working with the kids. I had some great relationships with kids and I I really liked what I was doing. But then I also had a hate relationship with it because it was so anxiety inducing Mm -hmm. because I was an introvert that had to be on all the time. Mm -hmm. That part of it was really challenging for me. And I never realized that. You know, when I went into I never all these things you don't realize until later, like, oh man, this is why I'm so stressed out all the time, you know. And and then the, you know, putting all that pressure on myself to perform and to do, you know, the best I could. And, but I, I learned to, to let go of some things, you know, um, in the last few years. Um, so yeah. So I think i really that lot, that last year that I told you about that God just put me in that position of, yeah, yeah you know what, this is what you're going to teach. And then I'm like, okay. And, you know, I learned a lot of grace for myself. Um, yeah. and that was, that was a good thing. So.
0: Yeah, you identified another thing too that I think is really important is we have a tendency to identify emotions as negative or positive. And and emotions are emotions. We were given, we were created by a God who gave us bodies and emotions to feel things, to let us know that we were feeling something, to let us know something needs to be processed or dealt with. They're, They're actually all our friends in various ways. It's what we do with them that does or does not become problematic. And so it's not the emotion itself that's bad, but we've created this negative connotation. So when we think, feel a certain emotion, sadness or anger, we're like, oh, that's bad. I can't. Why am I feeling that way? I'm so blessed. I'm so lucky. I'm so privileged. I shouldn't feel those things. No, that's just all part of the game. We all feel them. But if we don't process them um, in a healthy way or respond to them in a healthy way, they are going to become a problem. So I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of it too. All right, Steph. Steph.
3: Oh, um well, what I've realized over the years is that um um i will I worry, but I don't really um, it, if I'm not actively sharing um that worry or a concern either with God or with friends or um uh, that I internalize it mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and then I don't sleep, and um And then Satan takes over. I think it's an avenue for Satan to, to build whatever problem I've had in my head and make it bigger than what it really is. And a few years ago I had, I, we just, you know, we were getting ready to have two kids in college at the same time for a year for that one year. And I was like, what the heck are we going to do? How are we going to figure that out? And uh, I just had worked it up in my mind that it, you know, like Satan had really done a number on me at that time. And I realized then that I needed to pray more. I was not being faithful in my prayer life. And that I think has really changed for me in the recent years. I have this really great group of women uh, that have really uh, led me along. I've read a couple of great books, school of prayer, um by Andrew Murray I think is what it's called and um and then I'm reading the Circle Maker right now mm-hmm. and it's it's a really great book um and we've read a variety of other things too but um but yeah so I would say for me um processing my emotions in a healthy way involves prayer and then that friendship you know that dynamic that you can share with your people that you hold closest to you, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all those concerns of your heart, because though that in, for me, it has to get out. Like it has to, I have to process it, uh, openly. Um, and I'm I'm fortunate that my mother, um, actually is very good at that. And, um, and I am a lot like her. And so, um, I am able to, um, uh, work through those things. I think constructively and, you know, healthy in a healthy way. I don't do it all the time. I mean, it's just like, we, we all are, it's all emotional up and down um, at different times. So.
0: But yeah. I think that one thing I appreciate is we all have different, all of four of us have various faith walks, <clears throat> but there's a difference. I think sometimes for women in faith where sometimes we get stuck And we just sit there waiting for God to do something and God's throwing all these things in front of us that we can do these people, these paths, these choices, and we get stuck and we just, we're kind of like the person in the boat that's waiting for God to save us and there's ships going by and, you know, people going by and planes going by and they're sitting there and they don't take any of the things that are being presented to them. And we are, you know, we are the ownerships of our our lives and and God will provide things to us, but he But God cannot move that for us. We have to take the initiative to create the relationships, to get the therapy, to do the exercise. The resources are there. But and I think that sometimes women, especially faith based, and I think it's sometimes the faith world has done that to us a little bit in that we feel guilty if, you know, if we if we do those things and get the therapy and get the help because, well, you've God, you shouldn't need that. Well, no, God has equipped these people to help this and be there for us. And so understanding what our responsibility is and taking the steps to be healthier, to be stronger. So thank you all for your vulnerability and sharing that. Okay. How can we support ourselves and other women in living unapologetically, because women kind of, women have more of a tendency to apologize for everything that's going. Oh, I'm so sorry you had a bad day at school. You don't have any control over your kids' bad day at school. I mean, we we and so also too, um, kind of raising each other up and being for each other and not 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 you know being. None of us are wilty flowers by any stretch of the imagination. We all have pretty strong voices. But just talk about your journey and and living unapologetic, all of, unapologetically, all unapologetically and supporting other women and doing so. And, you know, Amy, Kristen and I are all, you know, mothers of girls in various ways. Kristen and I just girls, but I would tell you, and Kristen grew up in a family of girls. Kristen's got girls all over the place. I grew up with all brothers. So I feel like having girls was my relief uh, that I got. Steph has a sister, but then raised boys. And then Amy gets to do both. But, uh, you know, but talk about that, you know, in terms of, living in apologetically as a woman and how that's modeled to your daughters, not only your daughters, but also to your sons. Steph, you go first. Uh, <laughs>
3: um, I guess I, I just tried to be me and not, and try not to pretend to be somebody I'm not, I guess. Um, and I've done that with my boys. Um, God knew what he was doing when he gave me boys. <laughs> because um, I don't think I could have, well, that's not to say I could have handled it. I would have been fine with girls but um
0: <laughs> some of but, my girls would rather live with you than me <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, i I think that i I guess I would um I have um a keen sense of of awareness of people's emotions around me mm-hmm. um, and so I could uh with people we encountered like in baseball and, and, um, you know, mostly in athletics because that's what my kids were involved in. Um, I mean, I could tell what something was wrong with some, somebody. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think one of the ways that I think I tried to try to help people and other people in my life is, um, by connecting with them and reaching out to them and talking to people Um, giving them a door to walk through, not everybody's going to walk through that door in that conversation. Um, but as somebody who cares about them and reaches out and, um, gives them an opportunity to share what's going on with their life. And I mean, I don't know if we even know how many people we each impact every day, yeah. And if, could it could be just saying hi to somebody. And I think that's the, the sad thing with COVID and masks and, um, you know, not seeing somebody's face. It's really hard to see somebody's what, you know, you can't see somebody smile at you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, um, after that, I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> well, I think you do though, because just by my, mo- I mean, you model it really well. You are very comfortable with yourself and your decisions um, you're a strong woman, you have a strong sense of what you believe who you are. And so I think you you just live that out. I mean, you're, you know, you state what you believe you stand for what you stand for. Um, you follow through, you're very loyal. I mean, so I think you model that in just who you are, and you lift other women up around you, you have never been a woman who's competitive with another woman, you are always about them, for them, you live that out very authentically. Thank you. Yeah. So that's my, that's my statement on, 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 on behalf of step. Okay. Um, Amy, Kristen, either one of you. I think one of the things
1: that, and I've learned to like the last, you know, I, I remember my mom telling me when she hit 40, she just didn't give a rip anymore what people thought about
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> did your mom ever care? <laughs> no, she did. I mean, she, she I ever really, remember your mom caring. Yeah.
1: She was a person who hit it. I had those things kind of things. Well, but she was such an awesome person. Um, But anyhow, she, she really felt like she changed when she hit about 40 and I always remember her saying that to me. And then when I hit about 40 and I started feeling that too, and then, you know, 50 and I'm like, I just don't care. I'm really comfortable in who I am for the most part. I mean, obviously that can change fluctuates like that's well, but for the most part I'm happy with who I am. And I feel like now that I'm in a different role in my career I feel like I'm more of a support person and I really try to encourage other people especially younger teachers
4: mm-hmm. you know
1: when I see them I try to check in with them I try to um I, I talked to a couple of them uh, a few weeks ago about like that until they're overwhelmed I mean this year it's just been you know crap anyhow, yeah. you because of all of that stuff that's happened and it's just been really overwhelming for teachers and they just, they needed to some encouragement. You could tell. And, and I, I talked about giving them, giving, giving yourself breaks, you know, and they're like, oh, thank you so much, you know, and then I checked in with one of them just recently. And it's like, I remember that you said that, and I'm really trying to do that. And so I feel like I'm just in more of that support role and just trying to remember, you know, what it's like to be a teacher and the support that they need because I think when you get out of that role, it's easy to kind of forget. And so I don't want to forget. And so I do try to encourage, I do do try to check in on people. I do try to, you know, help people to, you know, have grace for themselves um, in, you know, whether it's male or female and doing that for my kids too, you know, and really encouraging them to get tools, help if they need help and learning to deal with the emotions as they come. And, but then just not staying in that place, you know, not allowing themselves to spiral down if they're struggling with something, yeah. um, and saying, you know, my kids and anybody else, you know, sure. just trying to help. And that's hard sometimes too, because I, like I said, I'm a recovering people fixer, you know, I, I'm like, um, Stephanie, I feel other people's emotions mm-hmm. and it would really like amp up my anxiety, especially people yeah. that my family. Yeah. And right. I really have had to learn to like, Not my problem, you know, and I can give advice, but I cannot fix anything. I am not another person's Holy Spirit. And that has been a big mantra in my life. I learned that years ago in a women's Bible study about marriage, you know, but I use it for, you know, my kids, my friends, my, you know, whatever that I cannot fix them. And I can pray for you, I can give you advice, but, you know, you have to make those, those stuff yourself. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and you, too, know, and with... you have Megan, who's a very strong, da- I mean, May- your daughter went through, I mean, she went to the Air Force Academy. She's a badass. Um, and um, so talk about that too. I mean, just it, having that s- strong daughter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to tell you,
1: and she's probably going to listen to this podcast because she loves listening to your podcast. Um, <laughs> she's like, when do you do it, mom? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I will tell you, I have been super blessed. With both my kids, they have been really easy kids, and we don't know what we did. Uh, we feel like it's them, you know. But <laughs> and especially having a girl, I mean, I have you know, friends will say, "Oh, amazing girls, oh my gosh," you know. And I'm like sitting back here going, "I actually she's waiting for me. the shooter drop, and it never
0: dropped." Yeah, and no,
1: no, and it, it's like, yeah, it
0: was a piece <laughs> of cake. So,
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm I've always been super proud of the fact that she she has a lot of confidence in herself. Um, obviously she struggled with different things as well, but she's always, she's always been pretty comfortable in who she was. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's been made it easier for her to kind of navigate life with, through the ups and downs. Um, and so I just try to, you know, try to encourage her. I always try to just be like, not focus on, Oh, you know, your your appearance, your weight, your whatever. I really tried to not focus on that kind of stuff and just let her be who she is. Yeah. Um, and I think that 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 did pay off. I mean, obviously it wasn't perfect, you know. So yeah, I mean, being a mom of a daughter has been been awesome, you know, and she's she's a pretty amazing young lady. So, you know, and same with my son, and he's pretty amazing young man. So pretty very, very we're very blessed. Yeah. absolutely.
0: Good parents. Steph, you were going to say something to Amy and I interrupted you.
3: I was just, you were talking about being a supportive person, you know, kind of a supportive role. And I, Mm -hmm. and I feel like I, I feel that role for a lot of people in my life, Mm -hmm. but with that, the follow-up becomes really important. Just like you said Mm -hmm. that you were checking in on somebody. Mm -hmm. And I found that those people that you're not as close to, it's an intention, you know, being intentional um, in that supportive role and how important that is. And to follow up, um, you know, if you took a meal to somebody, if you checked in with them again, you know, hey, do you, you know, how are you doing? Do you need something else? Or, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, and it's different for every relationship and in everybody that you come across. That's a really good point. The, the follow up is, I'm not always right about that, but that
1: follow up is super important.
2: All right, Kristen Beth. Well, I, I put an encourager, I guess, an inspirer on my thing because I, I, th- I was just kind of born that way. I remember being in the library when it was, you know, your class would have library time and you get to go pick your book out. And if someone was struggling, I'd be like, I think you'd like this book. How about this book? How about this one? I think you would really enjoy it. I'm like, what is? This? I look back on that. I'm like, you weirdo, but I just, you know, I was like, I think you really like it. And I would like to enrich their lives with this great book, you know, um, that I enjoyed. So why wouldn't they, uh, but I, I think at a young age, I just kind of I liked to try to be encouraging and be helpful. Um, I didn't feel like I had to, it wasn't anything like that. And then um, just relationship wise, I mean, I mean, like Melissa briefly told the story, it's like, you know, we're friends and I'm like, dude, you know, you need to come to Washington state. You know, I, you know, had a, a sense of what was going on in her life. I'm like, you know, I think this will work. And, you know, just whatever I can do to, to help somebody, where they're going to help them get there. I can help in any way. I just feel like that's always something that I've done. Um, I think that's why I've coached as almost as long as I've played. Mm -hmm. I started coaching pretty much almost right after I started playing volleyball Mm -hmm. and I enjoy doing that because I enjoy helping somebody get better uh, at what they're doing, something they love to do. So I, I think in that, that way, it's just part of who I am. I think that we've all, we're all at a stage and that's why we're talking here. It's part of the reason why Melissa's doing this podcast is that part of that, when I think you do like to do that, maybe that is part of your nature. Then you also have to get to a point where you realize, like you said, I'm not everybody's Holy spirit. You you have to realize, okay, what, you know, how do I do that? And just, it is my, I am being helpful and encouraging, but I'm not taking ownership over the outcome, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Uh, uh, you are an encourager and a help as long as somebody wants that. Right. Mm -hmm. And to that point where you realize, dude, they're just been in my ear. They don't really want encouragement or help. Mm -hmm. And at that point, sometimes you're just like, I don't know if I have time to take this call you know, or to make this call because you really are spinning and spiraling and you really don't want the encouragement. And I think that was kind of maturing, you know, having more mature relationships and knowing how much time you have for relationships. Yeah. Um Like, let you joke about, you know, calling and just being like, you know, vomiting, whatever was going on in your life. But, you know, I don't see it that way at all. It's like, you know, because, um, Thank Whatever. You all that's our friendship. That's, you yeah. know, we, it's a, it's a give and take. Like you were there for me in that way too. I could, you know, be like, oh my gosh, blah. you know, that's what we do. But we know that we will encourage each other and we, we do it because we know we're going to get what we need to hear yeah. because, you know, um, we know each other. And I'm like, I need to hear what you are going to say. Cause you know me since dirt, which is what we always say. Mm-hmm. You know, me since dirt, my friends since dirt. So, you know, like Melissa has a better memory of my life than I do. You know, I girl, so I'm like, You know, just ask her, you know, get the lowdown. Um, but I think that's part about being in encouraging healthy relationships is knowing that it's a two-way thing mm-hmm. and that the person you're trying to encourage wants to be encouraged. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, and knowing, and I, I think because of the stress of our lives in the last two years, we've all had to, trim off some of those relationships. Yeah. And we're like, I can't do that. You know, yeah. um, love you from afar. You know, th- there are people that we've had to do that with and that's, and that's good. And that's, um, helps you to put more time and energy into those that need you.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and the exact, you know, you talk about that back and forth. And I think for me as a mom of daughters, you know, Kristen and I have all girls. And so we get all girls all the time and, th- and they're strong, capable, great young women, um the kind of awakening point for me where I was stepping into codependencies, one day Sierra and I were talking and she's in college at some point and she just wanted to be heard. And she's like, mom, I don't need you to fix this. I, I just, and I was like, ah, okay, that's where I've crossed, crossed the line. She didn't need me, you know, cause sometimes they just, they just needed to be heard to kind of hash it out within themselves. And so we can sometimes be encouraged and supportive by just showing up in that way too. And releasing that responsibility of fixing and patching and repairing and peacemaking and which we've all had various times where we've had those roles in various, you know, relationships in our lives. All right. The importance of setting and coming back to your why in everything you do. And and what I mean by that is, you know, we all of us have a reason that we're motivated to do something. You know, for me, the podcast the why was I want women to start talking about these things that we've been told historically that no one has time to talk about. They're not appropriate to talk about. I want to, I want to open the conversation. Let's have these conversations. Let's be vulnerable. Let's be authentic. Let's not be afraid. So that that's my why that's, that's an example of a why. So talk about the why in your life and, 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 how you, when you're not sure when to say yes or no to something, how that helps you frame that because we all get asked to do things and all these different things are Good things. None of us are being asked to rob a bank, you know. I mean, so how we differentiate, and it kind of goes back to that boundaries conversation and bringing the why
3: in. and like in determining what you're going to say yes and no to. Well, for me, it's always been about the my family because that's kind of the been the priority, and I felt like God put me in a place that um, in a position to to help raise the boys, and um, so um, I based. Well, it was a learning process to start with. <laughs> Um, as I said earlier, um, getting over-involved to, you know, to too many things, but that's what I go back to is, you know, okay, how does it impact the family, you know, and our time, you know, what we have, what I have available. And, um, in just for instance, so Jesse's senior year is this year. So I was working part-time, I'm still working part-time, but I offered to work from home and uh, because I just wanted to be available. I wanted to be able to go to college visits without worrying about work. Um, I just finished a stint as um, for our Council for Academic Excellence. I was a co-chair for or chair for three years and um, I was on the board for like seven years. I was going to say for three years, it feels like 100, but. Well, it was, I was on it for seven years, I think. Okay. Six or seven years.
0: I feel like you've been (laughs) doing that forever.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So, but I let it for three years. And fortunately, my time was up. I had, I was breached the statute of limitations. (laughs) (laughs) But, and, you know, I was asked to do a couple of other things. And I kind of, I mean, my, my why was like, it's going to be a senior year. You know, I don't want to be hindered by things. And I guess that's your biggest the biggest thing is to focus on your priority yeah. and and then make yeah. decisions based on that. And it's your, and your health. I mean, yeah. your, you know, what, how, how many things can you say yes to and still, you know, exercise and spend time in the word and, and do all the things to really stay healthy. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. Especially as we get older. Whew.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think all of us are are super similar in terms of, you know, definitely about our families. We're very committed to our families and our relationships, um, our husbands. Um, and yeah, so that that's definitely what the why has been. Um, but I think it's interesting because I am in a time and I know you guys are there at various stages too, where the why is gonna change.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you've got a senior you know, too. You've got you have babies going out the door. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, since I said I was authentic to be authentic, um, I'm in a stage where literally that's what I am, um, working on. Um, so the counseling thing that was for the food, remember to, for my relationship with food, boy, did it happen at a really good time? Cause literally January, 2020. Is when I started Jeez. with my counselor, literally. And so we went from talking about a relationship to food, you know, to, to, you know, COVID and just so many other things started to happen. And, and um, you know, personally and obviously in the world or whatever. So, so many things. Um, and then it just so happens that one of her specialties is helping women who are transitioning into empty emptiness. Mm. <laughs> you know you know it's one of those things where it's like I don't I I never really wanted to identify with people that said this thing was a good thing this mold toxicity was a good thing because it helped me get to here I I, I don't really like that <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't like saying bad things are good things. It's bad. But, you know, (laughs) the truth is the timing of it all, you know, you just have to be like, thank you, Lord, you know, thank you, God, because this um, was the right counselor for the right time, having no idea what was about to hit. Yeah. and how helpful that was. And actually I didn't know one of her specialties was mm. helping, you know, women transition from home to empty nest, and, you know, right. kind of figure out what they want to do, what they want to be. So it's really cool because that's kind of a lot, what we work on. And, um, it's not something I have to like, you know, to take a, take a menu and choose something. Um, it's something that I'm not going to know right away. And I know that it's changing and evolving. And um, we've got a lot of different dynamics happening, um, that can uh, make, you know, that will impact what that is. Um, so I'm just being, uh, I am being patient, trying to be patient and just listen and, you know, see what presents itself and, and, you know, that's where, you know, you're just kind of praying that as different things have happened at the right time, that I will know kind of what this looks like when I need to and not try to put too much pressure to say, you got to figure it out. You know, you got to to know your why, you know, I, I might not know for a while and that's OK. I'm approaching it very open handedly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, but but to know that it is, you know, that that, that has to do with what I want the rest of my life to look like, what I want the rest of my life with Tim to look like. And, you know, with the girls. So, so obviously that's still the context,
4: sure.
2: but to be, you know, kind of really purposeful and really think about that and take a look at that and, you know, see it hopefully, cause you know, I'm scared to death about the sands going through the hourglass. And then that song that Meryl Streep sings on Mamma Mia. Oh. <laughs> Think about that song, but anyways, afterwards there will be life, and my tennis friends tell me this is true, and I'm going to believe them, and my counselor's going to help me figure that out. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm doing a podcast. You know, all kinds of things happen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Meryl will sing the song. It'll be exactly, fine. exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if only, I think she'll come on the show. Yeah. All right, Amy. Do you have anything you want to share on this? I know you do. Um, you know the the whole why thing has always been
1: interesting uh, for me. I mean, going from you know, teaching Spanish and being excited and getting kids excited about learning. That was my why. And then going into teaching um, kids about figuring out their why after high school, you know, mm. teaching them how to, you know, the, the seven, eight years I taught that and, um, you know, looking for colleges and careers and all that kind of stuff and, and helping them just with life in general. And that was just super yeah. fulfilling and yeah. um, really cool. And then now I'm in a place where I really love my job. Um, I've always been a big library geek. I mean, I love books. I love libraries. are one of my happy spaces. And then I got this job kind of thrown in my lap and I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, this is just amazing. But I've also discovered that it's been a little harder to find my why I talked about trying to be more in a supportive role, but I sometimes can find myself getting a little bored because I have mm-hmm. to, because I'm used to being on all the time and yeah. I'm trying to navigate that. And, um, you know, it is kind of my job to kind of create, you know, nobody's really looking over my shoulder or anything like that. Um, and there's some great aspects of it. I, am mean, like I said, I love it. Um, but it's also part of now my kids are gone and he holds a senior in college, Megan's, you know, off and married and they're at opposite ends of the country, you know, Hawaii and DC more, you can't get right more now.
0: opposite than those two. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> so many hours of yeah. time difference. Yeah. And
1: so it's um it's been a little bit more of a challenge as my job has changed and I don't have the demands as like I used to. And also my job as mom has changed and I don't get to see my kids as much. Mm-hmm. Or I'm trying to kind of figure out what my why is, you know. Yeah. I'm enjoying yeah. the empty nest. They don't need to live with me, but I certainly would love it if they lived closer so I could, you know, hang out with them more often. But I, I'm trying to kind of figure out that purpose, you know, what does yeah. God want for me? So I, I kind of understand I've been an empty nester for a bit, but Kristen, I get where you're coming from and stuff. It sounds like you're going to be kind of going through the same thing of what is, what's my purpose? What am I, what, what's God calling me to do? I'm not, yeah, that, I'm not quite sure where, where that is. You I've got a few ideas, but you know.
0: Well, I think to that understanding that we all have is that your why's change. And you know, just because it was your why when you were thirty, it's not going to be your why when you're fifty. If it is, you need to probably check yeah. yourself. Yeah. And, and and that's okay. These things change. There's just different seasons in life, um, mm-hmm. and it, and it's kind of going through and kind of just being willing to be. My son-in-law said this, and it's so important. He's like, continue to be curious. Just keep being curious about who you are, about um who your partner is, about who the what the world is. Because I would say, Amy, the world has gone through a, a shit show as your kids were all going out the door. So you weren't mm-hmm. just dealing with the dynamic, I mean, you know, poor Cole, it, you know, like many of our college kids, has had, you know, we've all of our kids have had to deal with this various COVID wackiness and what it's done to their lives. Mm-hmm. It, going into college, coming out of college, being in college. Right. And so But that, you know, so we had kids at home for a while, like, you know, so, I mean, I think, you know, you, when you start looking at all those contexts Mm that you're not really from that standpoint, you know, haven't had, really haven't had a chance to really have that space to even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I
1: mean, you know, Tony and I, we know, we know our, our, our relationship is great. We're enjoying, you know, spending time together and stuff and, you know, he's got, you know, his things and I'm, in, but we, are, the cool thing is we've been doing, we have, we're started a church plant, like five weeks mm. before COVID started mm. from our like main church. Yeah. So that was, that's been interesting. Yeah. Um, but we're actually back meeting in school, which is nice. Um, we've moved three times since we founded the church. Uh, but, um, it's been cool too, that we we've actually been doing some premarital counseling with some different mm. couples. And nice. so that's been really fulfilling yeah. and just having some connections with, some young adults, young marrieds. Um, so, you know, we've been, we've been doing that. And, and um, so that's, that's kind of a, a purpose and yeah.
0: But not being a try, afraid to try things. I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm know, not, trying to be it open. It goes back to that whole kind of curiosity thing because, you know, not being trained to, to find and figure out, I mean, you know, yeah. and, and, th- and that we have the freedom now to do that, which I mm-hmm. think is just yeah. like, oh my gosh. I mean, and right. that we don't have to be so we don't have to be productive all the time. That doesn't less, you know, we are valuable because we are valuable and no matter what we do or don't do. And so the, mm-hmm. releasing that need because we've been, we're coming out of seasons where it's just by virtue of taking care of family, you're, you're productive. That's, that's part of the gig, but, but that's not a requirement now. And that's okay. No. And we don't have to, I think that being careful of not being a, um, a Martha. Yes. It's called the Mary Martha
1: syndrome. And I'm yeah. always like this, you know, you're, we're, we're women, we're, we're doers. We, we need to learn to be more of a Mary. And yeah. that's, that's something that, that God continually reminds me of. You don't have to do, you yeah. don't have to prove yourself to me. You need to learn to just be still, which was one of my, it's one of my favorite verses. And then my new, my mom loved it too. And when she passed away, I found it in a bunch of like the Bible and mm-hmm. different things. And then that's my one tattoo. I got mm. is be still. Um, mm. And I put it here to remind me. Yeah, that we could see all the time still, you know. And so if I think it's a, an important thing for all of us women, especially in our stage of life to Absolutely. learn that we don't have to be on the go all the time. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love that. I love that so much. You know, read the books, watch the movies, you know. All right, good stuff. Thank you. Okay, and this kind of goes pretty seamlessly into the next one, but living out of our own expectations versus expectations of those around us. Talk about that. Yes. The, our worlds have plenty of expectations for us.
2: You could talk about that for forever. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's not never going to end or stop. It's just, it's just, this is life, you know, mm-hmm. anytime you're in a relationship and, um, Expectations are so important. I think that's something that Tim and I learned early in our marriage is that um, we would have issues when we had unmet expectations, but a lot of times they were unmet because they were unrealistic. You know, you have an unrealistic um, expectation of what uh, your weekend should look like, you know, because and we're dealing with that now because he works in Tampa. And so then I don't see him four days a week. And so then if we have a weekend, it's like, oh, you know, you want it to just be perfect and special. And and that's, you know, you work it up to be something that it can't be. so um, that's, that's one thing about expectations It's it's in, 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 a relationship is just having realistic ones to begin with yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then when you feel like that other people have unrealistic expectations of you um, it's just how to communicate that. And I think in a, in a healthy way, because obviously I think we all maybe saw our moms a little bit, maybe we saw it ourselves a little bit. We do the martyr thing. And so the expectations are too high and then we don't say anything and we're brewing, brewing, brewing. And then, you know, steam awesome. goes, this, you know, volcano. And, um, so we, you know, that's, that's a pretty common, uh, dynamic. And I think, I think we we're, we're maybe we've been more aware of it, um, as women and as moms, That doesn't mean we're good at handling it, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because trust me, I you know I can tell you things that I've done where I've not done a good job with that, and then I've exploded, and that's not healthy and good. Um, But yeah, I think that it's it's being able to communicate that, and here's something else: it's communicating that and being okay if the person you're communicating it with doesn't get it.
0: Yes, yes.
2: Because they might not
0: take nothing else out of this today. Absolutely especially those people that aren't practicing that in their lives themselves. And again, going back to, it, it's not our responsibility to make them understand it. We don't, we don't owe them that. Yeah. Really, really good point. Um, and I think another thing too, within the, the relationship dynamic, and this is another smart thing that I think Tim said, my son-in-law, something that he said that I really stuck out to me is that, and, and Sierra might've said it too. So I better give them both credit. Um, is that if they're un- Communicated expectations—they're just hopes because people can't meet expectations they don't even know about. Um, so it, you can't call them expectations; they're just hopes of what you hope will happen. I thought, oh, that's super smart. And then the other thing they talked about that I thought was really important too was that by knowing, your, you know, what's the source of the expectation, does it align with your values? If it's if it's an expectation of you that does not align with your values and isn't from a healthy place, then it's not something that you are responsible for meeting. Because I think sometimes we want the kids to be happy. We want the partners to be happy. We want the friends to be happy. We want this work to be happy and all these things. And just, you know, and then they, you know, because we're built that way, a lot can be asked or expected of us and us understanding when the expectations are not from that healthy place, they don't align with our values, and also that communicated piece. I thought that was like, Oh, yeah, you're right. They're not communicated. <laughs> you can't really call them expectations.
2: Um, and uncommunicated expectations are just mind games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah.
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: I've I, I I will say that I have been the one that struggled more with um expectations or hopes, <laughs> not always communicating <laughs> them very well, um, you know, to you know Tony and and I'm going to give a shout out to him. He has been so good about not having a lot of expectations of me. I mean, he's always been that way. I never feel like I'm not living up to something. Mm. And he's taught me about what expectations can do if yeah. you have too many or too high or, you know, whatever, or unmet ones. And so it's been a good growing experience for me. But definitely shout out to him because he's been really good about that.
0: Yeah. That's awesome.
3: Steph, you've had to deal with this a lot. Yeah. Um, well right now we're, I'm with some family issues, um, on David's side of the family. Um, there's been, um, expectations I think that were, uh, not communicated <laughs> and things that, uh, should have been said that were swallowed over the years. Some lots of a disgruntled, um, family get togethers because, well, they didn't know they we were disgruntled, but when they left, that's what we, we, <laughs> um, and so I guess over, over the years, I've, well, I'm just starting to figure this out, I guess, is that, that when we have unrealistic expectations of people, we set ourselves up to fail and mm-hmm. to experience just being disheartened by people um and i think um uh, my nephew and i have had some very serious long conversations and uh because of covid that this all kind of escalated and we have differences of opinion and uh we we're working through things you know like it, it's it is achievable to um communicate and um still love each other but have differences i think that that's a different in our minds sometimes we think because we love that person they're the same as i am and that they should think the same way that i do yeah and that is that is not true we all have different experiences we all have uh different backgrounds we were raised in i mean all four of us could tell us we all have different experiences now we may end up at the same place Mm -hmm. but but, or get there in a different path. But anyway, I just think that, um, um, we, we make assumptions about people that aren't always correct. And I think so living, living within my own expectations of, uh, basically, you know, I've tried to communicate this to my kids and, and anybody who walks through my door is, I hope that they experience love and, um, And that they feel differently when they walk out my door than when they came in, that they feel more loved, more cherished. And so um, that's my expectation of people when they come in my my house. (laughs) Um, I think that for the most part, that has come through in my life, um, but we're not perfect. And so sometimes my expectations were higher of people than, and so uh i set myself up <laughs> yeah and that was okay it's it's just a realization that it's not all one person's fault either you know it's it's a two-way street um in that and communication becomes super super important
0: yeah and just like you can't expect people to be different the next time or fix things that they don't know yeah you know that you haven't discussed with them um, you know i'm I have, uh, we all could speak to experiences in our own families and scenarios where that's the case. Um, And I I think, you know, we're all learning the importance of, you know, having those hard conversations and being brave in those conversations It it is hard in the moment, but it's so much better long-term because we are all want everybody to be happy because we are ones that take care of people. It's better for our own health because we all carry that with us. You know, I've had to really work a lot on, and I know all of you have it in different ways too, of letting go of the of those expectations that I have of people that just don't want to be different. They don't want to change. They they are who they are. And no matter how much I talk at them about my experience and what I've learned and blah, 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 you know, that I'm not going to talk them out of it. They have to land there on their own. And so releasing the expectation that if I talk at them enough. And if I should, you know, if I, if I just keep going, cause I am, I am just a bulldog that way. I am just, you know, pers- if I just keep, I just keep and, and have been able to release that. And Brady's like, it's not your responsibility. You've got to let that go. You've got to release that expectation of yourself and you've got to release that expectation of them. And I think we've all had to to walk that out in different scenarios and are doing that some right now in our own scenarios.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and going back to that, you know, That boundaries piece and it goes right into our next topic of cultivating healthy relationships with others. You can only cultivate a healthy relationship with someone who wants to have a healthy relationship. (laughs) Um, And having that healthy relationship starts with having a healthy relationship with yourself. It's very difficult to have a healthy relationship with anyone else if you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself. You also can't impose a healthy relationship on someone who's not willing to do the work
2: to be in a healthy relationship with you. So talk about that. Kristen, we're going to start with you. Yeah. I mean, I think that I... Um, I think that maybe that encouraged your piece, but I've always felt, um, a big and loyalty. I felt a big responsibility Mm -hmm. in being a friend, um, and friendships always very, very important to me. And so I, you know, we, we, you all have, everyone's had a situation where you go through mean girl stuff or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you learn the hard lessons of, you know, not everybody who says are your friend is your friend. And, but it's interesting because even as you become an adult, sometimes you still have to learn that lesson. Um, you know, again, so, and we've all heard about, you know, toxic relationships and whatever, but, uh, when you ha- go through the process of being in a relationship, a friendship, and I'm, I mean, more of a friendship where it's super one-sided or it's not, it's not beneficial for you. Sometimes it's, you don't get it. <laughs> it takes a while for you to realize that's happening. And one thing I had, a, um, just a really helpful friend, at uh, one point in my life and I, there was a relationship that was going on that was just like literally I was having physical um, issues like migraines. I'd never had migraines before. And all of a sudden I had migraines and I was experiencing this stuff and I, I didn't realize it was this, this friendship that... But this person said a friend will show themselves friendly. And you're like, well, duh. You know, what is this friend doing? And so, you know, you really have to identify is this friend a friend? like Like, let's like don't be, um, maybe you, um, give somebody too much benefit of the doubt.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: And when you really look at the friendship and you're like, wow, this is not a healthy friendship. Mm -hmm. Not only that I've tried and I've tried to water it and it's not growing and it's not going to. Yeah. And you just have to, you know, you have to walk away. So I, you know, I think, uh, I was, I did get to learn that. And again, it was painful, but you, you learn that. And so I think in my adult life, I've really been picky about friends. And when you have that toxic person uh, my toxic radar, you know, goes off pretty quickly.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I just, you're just, you're no. And so there are just have been different people in different circles. And when I, and when I know that toxic person, I I'm friendly, it's not that I'm not friendly, but I'm like, you stay here. Yeah. You're not in my, you're not in my inner circle and you won't be. Yeah. you know, Because it's just too important. And I feel like, you know, I feel like my life has been better because of that. And I feel like going through the difficult things when you have difficult times, when you don't have those relationships that are sucking the life out of you and you have healthy relationships where people are going to, to be there for you. Gosh, you know, who needs that extra weight when life is already heavy enough? Yeah. Um, so, you know, just identifying and knowing that you have good relationships, you have to do that all the time because you don't know when the next train's going to hit you mm-hmm. and you need your relationships to be healthy you know to you know to just thrive in this life yeah. so you, you got to protect that and be very careful you know I feel like I feel like I am and I feel like it's been very beneficial and you know and as we enter golden girl status, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the old lady's home is going to be a lot of fun with, with, with the people that, you know, I hope to be with.
0: <laughs> it's, it's so true. And I, you made a really good point. And I think sometimes as women, especially as women of faith, um, we feel like we've got to like everybody. It's not loving if we don't like everybody, we don't have to like everybody. We have to be kind. We have to remember that they, they were made and created by God, just like we were, but we don't have to be everybody's best friend. It's OK. Not everybody is going to fit us and we're not going to fit everybody. And that's
3: OK. So, yeah, I think that's really important. Well, it took me a long time to figure that out. What you yes. just said. Yeah, uh, it, 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 I think I have I, I make friends very easily. Yeah. Um, and people are attracted to you because you take such a good care of them. <laughs> Thank you. But they don't always take good <laughs> care of you. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that you know feeding and watering. I think I would have a tendency to feed and overwater and overfeed and and then not and then not reap any rewards back. And not that friendship is about reward, but um, just that give and take that that true friendships really are about. And yeah. um, and I've really been blessed in my life to have some really awesome women in my life. And um, but I have a tendency to step in and I step in deeper and quicker than the other person because I'm willing to show my vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes that bites you a little bit. Um, but I have radar too, Kristen. I have that, that, that radar of toxicity. I I don't need negative and I don't need, uh, I don't need anybody that's going to time suck. Uh, or, you know, if you're the only one making the effort in the relationship, it's not healthy.
0: Yeah. And David has never been afraid to tell you, <laughs> Nora. <have. laughs>
3: yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he have, he did have a hard time understanding Melissa and I's relationship. <laughs> he did not understand how we could be on the phone for hours, like, and what did she talk about? Because he knew I wasn't doing all the talk and she all talking; she was doing all the talking. Oh yeah. So oh, my gosh. he 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 grew he grew in that. He
0: did. He did. He loves me now. He loves <laughs> my husband more. So that helps too. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, if I, Brady knows I'm getting on the phone with any of you, he's like, see you in three hours. I have a good time. Well, <laughs> uh, Amy, Amy, talk about this too, because you've had some friendship issues things over the years where you have been the giver and the giver mm-hmm. and the giver.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, you learn, Kind of like what you know, Stephanie and Kristen said. You learn about who the toxic people are, and you just have to learn to walk away from those relationships and stop watering something that's not going to grow. Mm-hmm. And so, I have had to do that, you know, over the years um, in a few instances. And I think I've learned, um even just recently, that I, I realize I have I have a great group of um, friends, and uh, that we you know, really rely on each other. They've helped me to be vulnerable. I think it took me a long time to be vulnerable with a lot of people because I was just more introverted and just didn't want to, you know, share too much of myself. But I um, have learned to do that. And that's definitely deepened my relationships with people. Um, But I um, also know that I can be vulnerable with just certain people because, and it's okay. It's like, you have these different circles, you have your little inner circle, and then you have, okay, you have another circle outside with people and you're a little bit different with them. And then you have, you know, more acquaintances kind of thing. And so it just depends on who's, where that person is in my circle and where I'm going to go with them and how deep I can go with them, you know, because there are people that, I may have been friends with for a really long time, but it's been difficult to go deep with them. And if somebody's going to be in my inner, inner circle, it's going to be somebody I can really go deep with and to know what you're thinking and what you're feeling and, you know, what God's doing in your life and in that sort of thing. So, yeah. um, but I think it's just learning to know who those people are and also just in general, in general, learning to let go. Like I can't mm-hmm. fix this person. I'm not, it's not my problem. Um, I'm not their Holy spirit. Um, And I can remove myself if I need to um, from that person and just give myself some distance because it's just not a healthy situation for for me to be in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. How do you live out? So the name of the podcast is Feel Finding Empowerment, Embracing Layers. And in Embracing Layers is that embracing all those parts of us that we may or may not, you know, aren't just the highlight reel, the parts of us, you know, we've talked about a lot of those layers today. We've talked about our struggles that we've had with physical health, with anxiety, and um, talk about, you know, finding empowerment within those things and embracing those things about yourself. If you can't embrace the good with the bad, then
1: it's not, it's not your true self. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to see where you, because I think uh, well, actually, we all know this. We grow from difficult times. You know, we don't necessarily grow from the I mean, great times are great times, but we're not going to grow as much as when we go through the fire, mm-hmm. and that's when we're going to grow. And so, if we don't have those difficult times and the the other layers in our lives, then we're not going to be the people we are today. Yeah. So it's important to embrace everything
0: on those tools that you learn from that you know that you just aren't going to learn other ways yeah actually and 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 it's all it's all part of who we are we don't you don't get who we are without all of those experiences all right Steph, kristen
2: um well you put finding in there which is kind of interesting because um i I, i'm not and i'm thinking about it not in terms of finding empowerment i skipped around because i'm looking at the um I'm looking at the notes right now. And um, actually, how about, how about this? How about finding layers? Mm. Because um, I feel like that a lot what's happened, you know, in my life, like uh, as I, you know, I started talking about like the food relationship or whatever and how my health kind of exposed that. But, um, but then in like going through that counseling, it's been, it's pretty cool because you you bring stuff up and you think that the thing is not the thing. Mm -hmm. You just don't know why you start talking about the thing. You don't think it's a thing. And all of a sudden you're having an emotional response. You're like, it's the thing. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, because maybe you thought that you dealt with it or you thought that you had grown in an area or you thought, oh, yeah, that's good. I already dealt with that. Put that one away. And for whatever reason, maybe it was time to put it away at the time, but it's not over. Yeah. You know, because of the stage of life that you're in, there's another part of it, another layer of it that you need to deal with. Yeah that you didn't need to deal with maybe 10 years ago, but you need to deal with it now. Yeah. And so I think that's what's kind of fascinating about this stage of life is realizing that there's so much more there. Um, you know, and seeing what, what that means uh, into knowing yourself, into growing, um, into being the person that you need to be, into your why, all that kind of thing. I, I guess I feel like that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm really yeah. kind of finding those layers of myself and, and really just, like I said, from being an authentic person or, or feeling that that's what I am. I'm just like, wow, you know, okay, cool. I, I just didn't see that coming and, and yeah. just sit with that a minute and be okay with that. And, and I think I'm okay with, I've always been okay with not doing what the norm is and being expected to do stuff. And in fact, if I'm expected to do something, I'm probably going to try to do something else. So (laughs) in a way, it's from day uh, one, (laughs) maybe. Um, so, so I guess it's, uh, it's kind of cool to look at that and try to discover, you know, the things about you, who you are as a person, what you've lived in your life already, what all that says about you and then then how to move forward and who to become. Yeah.
0: I love the finding layers piece because I think that's so true because I think there's certain parts of us good and bad that just don't come up because we're just not ready for it in that time of life. Maybe we're not healed enough to get to that point or that piece or that layer, we just aren't in a season where we can explore it or notice it. So I really, I like that. Hmm,
3: that's good. A, a subtitle. Okay. Well, I just think in you know, um, you know, not uh, totally in Kristen's, I'm I'm totally in your shoes right now. Also um, finding, you know, finding and, exp- you know, exploring what the possibilities are, of what's to come. But uh, I also don't want I think it's important, like for our kids, you know, I, I want them to know, you know, we'll share something and we assume that our kids know these things about us, like our, you know, our past, you know, whether it was sports or, or, or whatever, whatever life experience it was, but they were little, you know, they might not remember those things. They might not know. And I think, you know, being, um, authentic, and real with our kids and and some of our life experiences. Yeah, um, yeah. it really shows our layers to them. Yeah, um, and who we are as people. And so I, you know, I think David and I both we have really trying to help our kids along and help them not make some of them mis- mistakes that we made as as young married couple, young, you know, starting out financially, different, you know, different ways, um, trying to help them you know, they're going to make some mistakes and they're going to, they're going to find their own path. Um, But if we aren't vulnerable enough to share with them our past experiences Mm -hmm. that, you know, um, then they'll, they would never know and how that might shape their experience. Um, So I think, I think embracing the layers, uh, you know, I, I think of it in terms of bracing all, you know, all the layers um, and being vulnerable with our kids. Um, at least that's what I was thinking of when you yeah. said. Yeah, that.
0: I love that because I think we sometimes and I think we saw this a lot in our parents generation. They wouldn't it, it was like bad to point out that they were wrong or they made a mistake or they had a hard experience. They were the parent. They were supposed to always be right. Always have, you know, there was this, you know, and so it, it took away from the ability to have any kind of authentic, honest conversation around that. I mean, there's so many things about my parents. I have no idea about any experience and uh, so I'm like, I, you know, somebody is something on top about. I have no idea. They never talked to me about that. That was never deemed appropriate. Yeah. And, you know, but uh, on the flip side, you, we've been very honest and vulnerable with the girls and they, they pretty much come to us with most stuff. There's not, and Kylie, especially Kylie's an open book, <laughs> but I mean, and sometimes their dad's like, oh, I don't know if I wanted to know that. <laughs> but, um, I'm like, yeah, sometimes she doesn't always have a barometer of what's for mom and what's for dad, but you know, um, but yeah, but just be not being afraid of those, And I think that's something that we are learning to do better. And I think our kids are kind of demanding it of us too in terms of what their expectations are for life versus, you know, how things have mm-hmm. changed that way. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, us feeling empowered to do that, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right, ladies, we're down to the rapid fire. So, um, I'd like, I'm going to go I'll just move around the circle. I'll, I'll call on you on this one named five activities that nourish you Steph. five activities that nourish you,
3: um, exercise, um, my daily devotional and praying time with friends and family gardening and being outside and reading Amy, uh, family and friends. Um, but on the flip side, alone time,
1: with <laughs> purpose. camping, traveling, reading, being out in nature, especially bodies of water exercise. And I know this is one of five and then, you know, reading, uh, my Bible, spending time with the Lord and praising and worship. So.
0: And Amy and Tony loved going
1: freezes. So, oh yeah. My husband let's go. I, I like them. I love them too, but he's like. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the cruise aficionado.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ever have any questions? Just ask.
2: <laughs> um, Kristen. Uh, Definitely time with Tim and the girls, um, time with friends for sure. The good friends, um, tennis for so many reasons, um, uh, for us, we're fortunate where we live being out being able to get on the boat and be on the water is amazing, amazingly healing to be in nature that way. Um, and then I would say like one of my little, um, like junk food kind of nourishing things like this is actually if I have a morning where I can take a nice long deep cup of coffee and snuggle my dogs.
0: And her dogs are hilarious.
2: They're the best (laughs) snuggle time with moose and Murphy and
0: (laughs) (laughs) I cannot hear her saying moose and not laugh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This we'll we'll, we'll put a pic in the show notes. Oh my gosh. Yes, exactly. Have to. And Brady would steal. They're one of my God. sources.
2: Moose and Murphy. <laughs> they're,
0: they're they should have their own Instagram page. Oh my gosh. Um, all right. Five words on how you want to feel the next six months. Kristen, we'll start with you. Will we now? We will. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Oh, I want to feel hopeful. Energetic, grateful, purposeful, and
3: peaceful. Mm. All right, Steph. I want to feel loved, appreciated, fit, and strong, uh, empowered, and encouraged. Mm. Amy. Uh, purposeful and
1: impactful. Mm. I want to feel contentment and joy. Mm. Um, I want to feel motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to feel that I have loved others well.
0: Hmm. Nice. All right. Well, guys, you're welcome for getting to meet these women. So yeah, you can just continue to thank me in in the Instagram when you get to see this episode, thank you to you three, because, uh, you know, I've joked about not so much joked about when I talked about this episode with my, um, producer and editor and and marketing person. I'm like, these are my ride or dies. So these are the people I've lived all over the country. I continue to live all over the country. Uh, someday I won't live all over the country. I swear. <laughs> um, but, but they, so within that I was, we've moved a lot. And so we're always picking up and going. And so every time you get there, I'm an extrovert, but even within that, it's like, I've gotten to the point where like, I gotta make some more friends. Um, these people have are, are have been with me from day one. I know at any point at any time, no matter how long it's been since I've seen them or talked to them, I can pick up the phone and they're there for me, and and vice versa. So thank you for that. Thank you for the gifts that you all are to me, and that you are to the world, and to your families and your communities. Um, and remember, podcast friends, you can um, refer to the sources and the show notes to learn more about these wonderful ladies. Um on the instagram as well, and we hope you enjoyed this episode with us and getting to know these special people and I hope you have special people like that in your life too. and, and that you make the time for that. These relationships are important. We're all moms, we all have various jobs. we all have partners and spouses and uh, families. but um you'll never be sorry about the investment you make in these in these relationships. They are important. Don't ever let anything or anyone tell you any differently. and